0: so Tehillim Kuflamet Zayin, the theme of Tehillim Kuflamet Zayin is that it's the psalm, it's a response, a teguva, to the Chorban Beis HaMikdash, to the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. Uh, there's a number of psalms like this, and then there's also psalms that uh, reference the returning back from exile. In fact, Tehillim Kuflamet Zayin has a companion psalm, and the companion psalm is, is uh, Mismore, <clears throat> psalm number 126, Kuf uh, with just an interesting point we had mentioned right at the outset of the year that, um, that Tehillim Kuflam at is traditionally recited during the week before any meal um, uh, involving bread uh, before we begin benching. It's recited right before benching and uh, interestingly enough it's companion psalm uh, the psalm of the return to Zion shir, uh, shir hamalus Hashem eshiva a, a, a song of a sense when we returned to Zion we were like dreamers so that psalm is the companion psalm, and that's actually sung uh, or said before uh, before we bench on Shabbos, which, uh, interestingly enough, and we'll touch upon this later on in this year, interestingly enough, references the notion that uh, chol, that weekdays are a kind of exile, and Shabbos is a kind of redemption. So therefore, uh, psalm Kuf et Zayn is sung before benching during the week, and psalm Kuf. Uh, Vav, one twenty six is sung before benching during uh, during Shabbos, uh, illustrating the dichotomy between exile and redemption that we experience that every Jew experiences uh, really at any moment of the day, but also uh, also in the oscillation of the week between Kodesh on Shabbos and chol during the week. Um, it is. Um, A few things. Who's the author of this particular psalm is a bit of a machloket. Uh, According to Eicha Rabasi, the Medrash on Megillus Eicha, according to that it was composed by the Navi Yirmiya, uh, the prophet of the destruction of the first temple. According to Rashi, it's a collective lament. Rashi goes against what the Gemara says uh, with regards to the authorship of this particular psalm, and Rashi tells us that uh, it was composed as it seems by a group of Jews, by a group of exiles that it was almost, this was the spontaneous psalm that was sung by the group of exiles as they were weeping on the rivers of Babylon and according to the Gemara in Dav Nun Zayin Amid Beis tells us, which is the uh, place of the Agados HaChurban the different Agados that uh, talk about the stories in the Gemara that talk about the destruction of the temple, according to the Gemara in Gitin, so it tells us that the author of the Tehillim was David HaMelech who was writing it prophetically, uh, seeing the destruction that would happen uh, when the Beis HaMikdash built by his son, Baish would eventually be destroyed. And, uh, and that's, also, uh, that's also the opinion of the Mitzudas David and the Mitzudas Tzion, which is the same person. Uh, that's the opinion of the Mitzudas, the Baal HaMitzudas as well. Um, so that's so much for the authorship of the psalm. And um, I had mentioned in one of the earlier shiurim that psalms that all of Tehillim are meant to be seen as a tool, as a spiritual tool to be used at all times, and uh, according to uh, the Shemesh Tehillim, Shemesh Tehillim is a sefer, as we mentioned, uh, coming from the times of the Geonim, uh, we're talking nine, ten centuries in, in Bavel, according to the Geonim in Shemesh Tehillim, so this, uh, this psalm has a very unique, I'm, this is the riddle I'm going to give you basically for the rest of the shir, something to think about that I want to maybe return to at the very end of the shir, is that uh, he He's, he writes in Shemesh Tilim, the author is uh, unknown, anonymous to us, but in Shemesh Tilim it says, Tov shesone So somebody that wants to go ahead and is struggling uh, with enmity between themselves and others, or struggling with the sense of uh, feeling that others have enmity towards them. So this Tilim is, uh, is auspicious to be saying for that. This, is a, this particular psalm is efficacious for removing hate in our hearts. Um, I, I leave it to you to think and to mull over why Why, in particular, why would the Gaonim tell us that this particular psalm is referring to a person that is experiencing enmity towards others or experiencing the enmity of others, the hatred of others? Uh, and I think in that is a very deep secret. Hopefully we'll touch upon that at the end, but that's something to think about before we dive into it. That's what the Shemesh Tillam says. I had occasion, um, I was asked um, I think a year ago um, I was asked to write a, um, an essay on this particular psalm uh, for a collection of essays that was coming out or supposed to come out on the Tikkun Klali of Rabbi Nachman of Breslov. Um, we had spoken about this in previous shiurim. The Tikkun is that Rabbi Nachman told his uh, great follower of of Breslov and told many other followers but it was recorded for posterity that there are 10 psalms uh, taken from throughout uh, Sefer Tehillim and these 10 psalms would function as a general rectification, a tikkun klali, for fixing everything that's broken in our shattered world. And this is the penultimate psalm in the tikkun klali. Kuflam Zayin is the very final one in tikkun klali. And um, in, in the essay that I was writing on it, which is as yet unpublished, in the essay I quoted from Rav Yisrael of Rajin. Rav Yisrael of Rajin tells us, he writes the following beautiful thing. He is reported to have once said, in the time before the Messiah, who will be the seekers of truth? You see, he said, during those times, one won't be searching for, one who won't be searching for the truth will be able to recite Psalms. However, one who will be searching for the truth will find it difficult to say a single chapter. Meaning the sense is, is that in the time of when we're experiencing turmoil and, and, and tumult and chaos, and uh, certainly I would say uh, you're going to forgive me, me if I make reference to our own time uh, that has begun, the epoch that's begun basically uh, a week and a half ago for all of us. uh, Certainly this is a reference to it. The Rav Yisrael Rajin said that for somebody that's concerned about truth, for somebody that's concerned about meaning, it will be difficult to say a single psalm. Uh, And and, and thinking about what exactly that means is that uh, well, at least how I translate is that it's, uh, you know, people say say Tehillim. uh, Go ahead, we have a Tehillim list for our school, for our community that's been growing, uh, unfortunately, every night uh, with more and more people to say TILIM for uh, Rahman al-Letzlan, and, uh, and they should have of Rav Yisrael, and uh, when we go ahead and think about saying TILIM, people say, well, you should recite TILIM," and some people have an easy time doing it, and I don't mean to say, and I don't think Rav Yisrael Mirajin is trying to say that they're not seekers of truth, those people, but I think on a deeper level it means is that when you really think about the truth of the situation, how could you say psalms? When you really think about the anxiety, when you really think about the pain uh, and, uh, and, and and the scariness of our own particular situation, and this is true of times before coronavirus uh, took over the world, uh, that that when one is, is confronted with true anxiety, it's almost impossible to say, Till, how can you focus on that? I have to go and do a shopping, I have to make sure I have toilet paper, I have to make sure that my kids are doing their distance learning work, or whatever it is, I have to check up on my neighbors, I'm worried about Pesach, how could you possibly say, a, a, how could you sit down and have the Yish of Hadas, have the equanimity to go ahead and to say a psalm of Tehillim, it's almost impossible to go ahead and to do so. I think the original was saying was that when you are confronted with the truth, it becomes very difficult. Agav, that's why we ask other people to say Tehillim for us uh, in normal times. But in a time of anxiety, how do you go ahead and say Tehillim? I think and I want to suggest that perhaps one of the answers to this or one of the ways to deal with this is to say that you're not saying Tehillim to go ahead and to alleviate the anxiety. You're not saying to heal him in order to go ahead and find some magical cure to whatever ails you. In, instead, to heal him is anxiety. When you read Tehillim, when you read uh, a particular psalm like this one, like Huflam et Zayim, that speaks to uh, a people going out to exile and witnessing the world that they knew uh, lying in shambles and in destruction and, and and unsure of what the future holds for them, uh, this, wasn't, uh, this wasn't asking Hashem for an answer. This particular Tehillim was articulating a deep feeling that only they could go ahead and to do so. Uh, and so, so then it becomes easier to say Tehillim because it's not a remedy for anxiety. It is anxiety. And once you recognize that the language of Ruach HaKodesh, the language of divine inspiration, allows us or gives or gives a, a way for us to express that anxiety, so then we're able to say the tilm, then we're able to say the psalm. Furthermore, I would say that when the Rishner told us that it is difficult to go ahead and say a, cha- a chapter of tehillim, I think he's referring to to this very chapter. I think he's referring to Tehillim Kuflam at Zayin. Uh, just to back up a little bit on that idea, when Rab Nassim was writing in Aran, uh, number 141, when he was writing about the instruction of Rabbi Nachman to go ahead and to say these 10 Psalms uh, as a general rectification, as a way of dealing with uh, everything that is going on in one's life and going on around us and as a way of rectification. So Rab Nassim says that Rabbi Nachman told us that each of the 10 Psalms signifies, and again, they're called from all throughout the 150 chapters in Sefer Tehillim, that each one of those psalms corresponds to a different type of shira, a different type of song, a different kind of musical expression. I think that Tehillim Kuf Lamed Zayin, which is the second to last of the Tikkun Klali, the second to last, the ninth of the types of songs, I think that we're talking about the song that cannot be sung. I think we're talking about the chapter that's difficult to say, the chapter that, uh, that when we try and go ahead and sing it, when we try, and, uh, we try and express ourselves through this particular psalm, we find it nearly impossible. There's this uh, collective lump in our throat that rises when we try and say it. There's this sense that, I don't know if you've ever, I'll give an example of what happens when you try and sing. I remember I was going out on a business trip um, a, a while ago. I hadn't been away from my family for, for too long up until then. I'm not really a businessman. So I, I don't really fly out like that. I know that there's people that do that often. Um, so I'm sitting on the plane and, I'm, uh, and I have my headphones in and I'm listening to a Spotify playlist and, uh, uh, and and, you know, like indie music or whatever. And this song comes up and the name of the song is my daughter's name. And it's a beautiful song. I know the song and I was missing her. And, uh, and, and there I am, uh, you know, nearly in tears on an airplane listening to like this, uh, to this indie guitar song. And, uh, and you feel when you try and sing sometimes when you're feeling overcome by emotion. Uh, so when you try and sing, you feel that this lump in the throat, that's exactly what happens in this particular psalm. The psalm which opens up and says, Eich Nashira, shira, shira Hashem ala How can we sing the song of God on a foreign land? How could we sing this, uh, this song on a strange land. So this is the ninth kind of melody, and the ninth kind of song is the song that we cannot sing, is the song that we are unable to articulate, that we're unable to express because of the collective lump in our throats. Uh, this, is, um, this, is, this goes hand in hand with what um, Shlomo HaMelech said in Kohelis, that there's uh, so many different times for different things. Um, we could go ahead and we can exalt in Tehillim, for example, the very next psalm in, uh, in Tikhan Klali, psalm number 150, hallelujah, hallelujah, ov de Hashem, hallelujah, uzo, which is an exultation, a sense of, of complete joy and being enraptured with God's presence. And that kind of song, that kind of jubilant song, uh, maybe that would be like a, a rave or, or an anthem of sorts of joy, that kind of song comes together with when a person is unable to sing, when a person is unable to express themselves in song or uh, you know, like, uh, like, the, like the musicians playing on the deck of the Titanic. It's song but it's, uh, but it's couched in tremendous tragedy. It's couched in a sense of loss. It's couched in a sense of the ship is going down um, and that's exactly what I think Tillim Koflamet Zayn is. This is the psalm on the deck of the Titanic. Um, when we say when we say of course, the words of David Amelech or the collective lament of, uh, of, of the exiles from Jerusalem, depending on, on which opinion you follow as to the author of this particular psalm, uh, when I was thinking of these words in preparation for the shir, I was looking around, and the truth is it's incumbent upon us to connect every single uh, word in Tehillim to really feel it and to connect with our own particular situation, So when I was looking around and um, I got a picture today from the twenty sixth floor, right over Sherman Square, which is packed with people in New York City, and it looks like Admas Nechar. It looks like uh, it looks like a strange land. I think we're all in a strange land right now, whether uh, whether the strange land is being cooped up in our houses or whether you're like me in the city. And, and uh, I think it's fair to say that uh, I don't think people truly understand if you're not in Manhattan uh, what it feels like in Manhattan, uh, a city that we come to and that we. Live in which is filled with people, every type of people, which is characterized by uh, constant interaction with with people that you'd never come in contact with before. Uh, to see that, to see that city, I can't believe that one would get emotional over New York City. Uh, we get emotional over Jerusalem, but to, to get emotional over New York City, um, the sense of, of the most uh, one of the most vibrant cities that humanity has ever created. The sense now is. Um, is trepidation, is fear, it's scary, as Rabbi Robinson said to us last night at the Chaz Askara. Kara, will reopen. Um, we will be able to get back to, uh, to our own mini-redemption of being back in a base knesset, of being back in a Shul, and being able to return to that kind of a place. But uh, for all intents and purposes, it feels like absolute admas necha right now. It feels like absolute sense of being in a strange land, strangers in a strange land, which is where we find ourselves. So the Tehillim, this particular psalm, takes on new meaning. It takes on new importance when we consider our own situation. And I don't think that it's a stretch to go ahead and to recognize these situations as somewhat tantamount, or at least expressing the same sense of bewilderment, the befuddlement that to what exactly is going on. Remember these exiles, the Beis HaMikdash has not yet been destroyed, but the II had already sent out exiles from, from Jerusalem all the way to Babylonia, uh, along with the great leaders of the nation as well. And that's the particular psalm that we're singing over here. So I want to go ahead and, um, and uh, maybe we'll do this. Maybe we'll, I'm going to share my screen with you. We'll take a look at the Mismore, And then I want to uh, share a few concluding thoughts at the end of this. So I sent the link. It's in the top of the chat as well. But uh, you could also take a look at my screen. And um, here we go. This is the third Mizmor, as we've done before, um, traditionally. So what we're going to do, we're going to read it in Hebrew, then read it in English, and we're going to go ahead and we'll, uh, and we'll try and expound upon a, uh, a certain particular thoughts. Al-Naros bavel by the rivers of Babylon, sham yashavnu gam bachinu es Zion." There we sat and we recalled as we remembered Zion. Al-Araven Talinu chatalinu uh, by the banks of the river, on the willows by the banks of the river, we took our kinorim, we took our harps, and we laid them down. It's the musicians putting down their instruments and laying them down to rest. This is a reference, of course, to the Leviim who would play their harps. And we have Tehillim that also referred to the playing of the harps, halu bekinor, right, playing Hashem and, and, and worshipping Hashem through the nigun, through the playing of the song of the harp. And here they're saying uh, those harps which once played the songs of Hashem on the duchen and the bass hamikdash over the karba, so those harps, the strings of those harps are falling silent. They're no longer vibrating. They're being hung on the willows, in ignominious place, on the side of the Babylon rinner. And in such a particularly cruel way, so our captors, uh, the Babylonians, told us, they, si- they said to us, sing one of your songs. Sing the songs of Jerusalem, uh, the kind of casual cruelty that Jews are all too familiar with. Sing Sing us one of the songs that our tormentors asked us. Sing us the songs of Zion, and the people responded, "Eich nashir nasir Hashem, alad mesneichar. How can we go ahead and sing the Lord's song on a foreign land? If we forget Jerusalem, so let my right hand wither, let it forget its cunning, as if the response, the heroic response of the captives, of the captives to their tormentors who were saying, Okay, Jews, sing us a song. When they the response of these Jews was to say, How dare we sing the songs that we sing in the Bashamikdah Shalad Masnechar? How dare we go ahead and fulfill this request in our time of mourning, in our time of, of, of utter desolation? How can we go ahead? and sing a song at this time, a brave and uh, strong remark. This, uh, which is sung at the end of every Jewish wedding, at the end of every chuppah, the Gemara brachos tells us that anybody that goes ahead and rejoices together with the chastan and the kala, as if they've gone ahead and they've built one of the ruins of Yerushalayim, which is why we start and we... And we, we, we frame every wedding the joy of every wedding we frame by saying yeah we are singing Alat right we're still in exile and we are singing this song but we're absolutely remembering the response of these captives and saying our singing now is not like the singing that they were asked to sing by the rivers of Babylon our song is a song of remembering Yerushalayim our song is a song of, of, of anticipation of the redemption Yerushalayim Tishkach Yemini Tidbag Lishoni <in Hebrew> Lichiki Imlo lo Imlo Im Yerushalayim Arosh if I forget thee, Jerusalem, let my right hand wither and let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. Again, cleave to the roof of my mouth is an interesting thing because we know, uh, we recite one of the keynotes on Tisha B'av tells us how the exiles turned to our cousins, turned to the Arabs on the way up to Bavel and asked for something to drink, asked for somebody to slake their thirst. And the Medjah Sheikhar Abasi tells us that, the, uh, that these uh, Arabs, what they did was is they went up to the Jews and pretended, acted as brethren and said, come, Drink from our uh, from our water pouches, these go tear pouches uh, go and drink from it, and inside was only hot air and the number of the exiles and their tsimaon in their thirst they went ahead and they took from those pouches and immediately died as the hot air entered into their lung tongue cleaving to the roof of my mouth, the major Sheikh rabbasi says as a reference to that uh, act of cruelty, that act of torment that we suffered. Let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth if I remember thee not, if Jerusalem is not above my chief, my chief is joy. I want to tell you something really interesting. One of the most famous speeches of uh, the great abolitionist, Frederick Douglass, uh, the name of the speech is called, What, is, what to the Slave is the Fourth of July? Uh, Frederick Douglass was asked by the uh, Rochester Ladies and anti-slavery society uh, to give a speech to them about 4th of July, and uh, it's considered one of the most famous speeches of Frederick Douglass. The name of it again, What to the Slave is the 4th of July, and he made reference to this particular psalm, to the tormentors asking the captives to sing the songs of Jerusalem. So Douglass likened uh, himself um, an abolitionist, somebody who had, who had uh, who, who watched as his brethren were still ensnared in slavery, ensnared in our country's original sin, uh, he watched uh, and he told them, he said, to ask me to give a speech on the 4th of July is like the captives asking, uh, is like the tormentors asking the captives to sing the songs of Jerusalem on their way up to exile in Babylonia. That speech was given on July 5th, 1852. That's the uh, that's the notion of this particular pasuk uh, pasuk zayin zachor. So so now what happens after the lament, after the communal lament, the psalm now turns very very dark and gives expression to uh, what is a very human thing, which is feelings of revenge. What is our revenge going to look like Uh, in this sordid state, in this terrible, degraded state? What exactly uh, is our comeuppance going to look like? And I ask you to suspend a little bit of judgment for the last three psukim of this nine Pasak psalm. Again, um, uh, there's nine verses of this, and it's also the ninth psalm of the Tikhan Klali. So it says over here. It says the Chora ha'omnim aru aru Ada Yisodba. Remember Hashem against the children of Edom, which is a name for the tormentors. The day of Yerushalayim, Yerushalayim will have its day again. And they said to Yerushalayim, they said, raise it, raise it to the very foundations, raise Yerushalayim down to the very uh, to the very uh, salty earth behind them. Um, interestingly enough. In the companion psalm, in, uh, in Mizmor, Kuf Chavav, when we say, Hazorim bedima I think is a close reference to this particular Pusuk. As I said in the beginning, these two, uh, these two kapitlach of Tehillim constantly play off one another. The song of redemption, the redemption song of Shir Amal, is shemesh Hashem zion and also the song of the exile, the exile song, the song which cannot be sung, of Kuf Zain of Yimesh Kacheich Tishka Yemini of uh Pavel Anaros Bavalsham Yashavnu Gambakinu. In Kufchathov we say Hazorim Bedima, those who go ahead and plant in tears Berina Yuktsaru, they'll go ahead and they will reap enjoy. And uh, the sense uh, I think is even deepened when we connect it to a Pasuk that appears, uh, in the, uh, that appears in Eicha. It says, Tzion says that Zion will be like a field that is raised over, a plowed over field. And indeed the Makum Beis Hamikdash Beis Zivul was raised down to its very foundations, was left as a, a salted over field. Uh, this was the field that Rabbi Akiva and the rest of the Tanaim were, were walking through and Rabbi Akiva began and to laugh when he saw it like that, because Rabbi Kiva recognized that they were sitting at rock bottom, that they had seen now the rock bottom of the destruction. That was the second temple. But Sion Kesadat So I, I thought to say. Um, I thought to say that perhaps you could connect all three together. That when the Navi tells us that Zion is going to be plowed over like a field, which is the harshest terms of the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash, indeed in there uh, a hidden within that is the secret of the redemption. is the is the seeds of redemption. Only when it's plowed over, only when you could, only when there's nothing left, when you've hit rock bottom, can you be Zoreya. Can you plant in a plowed field? And then in Mi'utz you could go ahead, Berina yitzaru, and then you could. Go Go ahead and reap with joy. So that's why I think when we say Aru Aru Ad is a reference to the plowing over of Jerusalem, raise it to the very foundations. I want you to keep in mind. Hopefully, uh, this notion of foundations, which we'll come back to in a couple of moments. Pasuk pas Bavel Hasheduda Ashrei Yishalim lecha As Gemulech a Daughter of Babylon, a reference now to their tormentors, you predator, you will be destroyed in the future, right? It's like the the captive sitting, tied to the chair, handcuffed to the chair, uh, totally powerless against their tormentors, saying to them, right now you have total control over me, right now you've destroyed everything precious to me, right now I'm bewildered, I'm crying, I've hung up my harps on the banks of the Babylon, and and I can no longer sing. But you will have your day. Your day will come. That's the, the most powerful thing I think that somebody in that place of total captivity can say to their tormentor. Your day will come. You're going to be destroyed. Happy is he who repays you for what you've done to us. And then the most difficult line of revenge, the final line: And uh, Ben Ezra tells us that this is a reference to what the Jews themselves experienced, to the sense of uh, to the sense of tragedy that the Jews experienced. The uh, and the words of the Nevi'im and Arkinos is, are filled with the most terrible depredations, uh, the slaughtering of the Kohanim, until the blood went up to, uh, to the ankles of the Vuzradan, of the, of the butcher, uh, the sense of total destruction. So the only thing that they could say in this completely captive state is a harsh, harsh word of revenge, right? So, so this will happen to your children. Right now, you're on top, but you've seen what you've done to our children, you've seen what you've done to us, this will happen to you as well, you will be repaid in full for what you've done to us. So this Tehillim, uh, I think the tragedy of this particular capital is that it's not, it's not just simply saying, how can we sing the song of Hashem Alad admas how can we experience any sort of joy in this particular situation, but it's going ahead and saying, uh, the tragedy is going ahead and, and, and saying, begging, uh, Baruch you know, like we say at the Seder, Baruch Hu, pour out your wrath. Um, again, we're asking Hashem, we're asking uh, we Jews uh, uh, very rarely uh, are people to take revenge, are people to go ahead and to, uh, right, the revenge to a certain degree. We talked about this in Shul on our Sheer. Uh, I guess the last shir I gave in Shul. Um, I've been thinking about a lot, uh, somebody asked, uh, what was the last normal thing you did? The last normal thing I did was give a shir on, uh, on Shul. And uh, Shmuel Anavi, uh, Martin, I know you were there. Francine, I think you were there also. Sandy, I know you were not there. Uh, no, Sandy, you were there also, I believe. Uh, we talked about the fact that um, that Shaul saw the war as a war of revenge, and that was evidenced by the fact that he kept the king alive when it was not a war of revenge. It was a war of fulfillment of God's word, and he impacted human thoughts and human ideas into it and made his own decisions, which is why he was chastised by Shmuel Hanavi for doing this. I want to share a few more points about this. Particular, uh, this particular psalm maybe through the prism of Rabbi Nachman of Breslov um, I'm not a Kabbalist you could ask my brother about this but uh, according to the Kabbalah there are 10 spheros there are 10 uh, divine emanations 10 ways in which Hashem's light is refracted down into this world the ninth of them is called Yesod the ninth of them is called foundation Rabbi Nachman was nothing if not meticulous in putting together all of his ideas so when Rabbi Nachman decides that this should be the ninth psalm that this should be Yesod of the, ten, of the ten psalms in Tikhan HaKlali. It's meant to communicate something to us. And what I think it's communicating is that if you look at, this, at the psalm itself, Aru, aru ada, uh, raise it, raise it down to the very foundations, uh, that this talks about another kind of foundation, not just the raised foundations of the base HaMikdash, but this is a reference to rock bottom, that when a person goes ahead and looks around them and says, well... There's nowhere lower to go, there's no, there's no place lower to go, so anybody will tell you, a good uh, therapist will tell you that that also is the place that you build from, that rock bottom is also a foundation, it's a kind of place to be building from, that even in the pain of seeking revenge, of begging God for revenge, even in the pain of not being able to sing, even in the pain of hanging up their harps and recognizing that really all is lost by this point, there is no going back to Jerusalem, there is no until much, much later on, um, until Ezra comes around that even in this state that you recognize that the only glimmer of hope is that uh, rock bottom is also a foundation. Rock bottom is also a yesod. And in, in, in Kabbalistic thought, yesod is... Is representative of bris, it's representative of covenant, it's representative of the sense that no matter how far we stray, no matter how far we're led astray, that we still have something to go back to with our foundational aspect of our relationship with Hashem, and we could build upon that, that, uh, that, that small little Nikuda, that small little sense. Rabbi Nachman quotes in, uh, in one of his most famous discourses uh, in Likut Maran Kama, in the first volume of Likutaran Pei Beis, uh, 280, 282, teaching 282. So Rabbi Nachman teaches us an idea over there that I think is so instructive at a time of despair, at a time of Eich Nashir Hashem, that Rabbi Nachman tells us, Rabbi Nachman says to us that we have to recognize, uh, quoting from Tehillim, Kuf Mem Beis, 140, sorry, Kuf Mem Vav, 146, Azamra l'lokai Odi I will sing out to Hashem with every last breath that I have. So long as I have anything left, I'll be, I'll be singing out to God. The sense is, is that so long as we're still here, so long as we still have our health, so long as we still have our family, so long as we still have the ability to go ahead and to teach Torah and to learn and to Davin, even if we've been kicked out of our shoals, and even if uh, many of the aspects of communal Jewish life that really rely upon so much as our foundation, as our baseline of life, That even there, there's still still an azamra. There's still an ability to go ahead and to sing. That azamra sometimes is going to look like eich How can I sing? that too is an azamra, that too is a type of song, it's not an azamra of an exaltation, of the final of the of the the tehillim of uh, the final of the tikkun klali of hallelujah, it's uh, not going to be an exaltation, but it's going to be a whimper, and that too can be a song that song also, it can be connected to a harmony with the song that we will sing in the future, the song of the return to Zion, so all of these are linked together, that azamra, that foundation is the place where we find that baoti. that's where we find that little Bit left in order to be able to sing the song of Hashem. Uh, that's the foundational point that we're referring to over here. That rock bottom is also the, a, a kind of foundation. That rock bottom is a place where we could also go ahead and we could sing to Hashem even in exile. Uh, the uh, just to go back to the psalm itself for a moment. I Share my screen with everybody. Um, just to just to, to those that have their video on. Just a thumbs up if you if I'm if you could still hear me. If okay fantastic so one of the things that we uh, talked about over here is um going back over here um, so i think that maybe we could go ahead and we could answer the question that we began this particular shear with uh, I asked uh, based on the based on the Geonic work of Shemesh Tehilim that this Tehilim is Tovla Omra Lavir This is a good song to sing uh, when this is a good psalm to say when one wants to uh, remove anger and hatred from their hearts, or if they're dealing with anger and hatred of one another. So uh, so I thought that uh, I thought that perhaps we could go ahead and answer up that question over here. Uh, I think that. Um, I think that one of the positives of living in uh, chaotic times. So one of the positives in living in times of great uncertainty and uh, st- and and the struggle. Uh, thank God that this is our generation's struggle. Um, you know, uh, I was talking myself on Er Shabbos. Um, and, uh, and I asked her, I said, Saf, are you scared? And um, she said, no, <laughs> She uh, j- as my soft is. And uh, I reasoned afterwards that for a survivor, for a survivor, they know that uh, Jews have been through much worse. And we've had our shuls not, we have involuntarily closed them uh, out of a sense of wanting to uh, preserve life, but we have had our shoals closed as people wanting to take our lives. And we've had our Beis Hamikdash destroyed, and we've been taken out to exile uh, against our will, as the singers of this psalm say you <laughs> in a place of admas nechar in a place of strangeness when everybody is feeling that sense of strangeness so in that kind of a situation so how can enmity find its way in it's amazing because it's amazing because our our notion is, is that the Beis HaMikdash is destroyed because of sinna the Beis HaMikdash, as the gemara tells us in gedin is destroyed because of faceless hatreds, destroyed because of our petty problems when the problems are so much bigger when we're sitting at the rivers of babylon and we no longer have the kud- of our regular song we no longer have the ability to sing our regular song so it's so much easier to go ahead and to be caught up in the narcissism of our small differences it's so much easier to go ahead and to to, we have the luxury we have the luxury of hatred we have the luxury of enmity Uh, at least for us um, at least for us we could say in a time where, uh, where Kim kulam, Kimat every single Jew is going through the same thing the rest of the world is I was talking to one of my uh, one of my colleagues today and she was telling me she was expressing uh, pain that mass had been cancelled on Sunday and I said I know what she, I know that feeling I, I know what that feels like a devout she's a devout Catholic I, I know what that feeling is uh, both Bihlali in a broader sense and also in a uh, in a more Prati sense in a more particular sense for the Jewish people when we're all experiencing the same thing so then, so then we don't have the luxury of sinna. when we're all sitting at the rivers of Babylon when we're all sitting on Admas Nechar uh, strangers in a strange land in a strange situation we don't have the luxury of allowing ourselves to hate we don't have uh, the luxury of allowing ourselves to uh, to focus on the enmity uh, that we have for others or that others have for us we focus on chesed we focus on what we could do for people when they really need it and, uh, and I think that Shemesh Tehillim that, uh, not, that, not, that my, uh, not that my opinion is Uh, is particularly important. But when Shemesh Tehillim tells us that the segula, that this Tehillim is to be used specifically as a tool uh, to remove hatred and enmity, it's that by focusing on the experience of the Jews by the rivers of Babylon, wondering how we could sing a song and their tormentors telling them and mocking them to sing, that they recognize that all differences have now faded away, that we're reduced to one fundamental element, is that how could a Jew sing at this time? How could a Jew rejoice at this time? And we found the whimper. We found the song even within that. We found the baodi, that little tiny piece left that allowed us to go ahead and to sing. And uh, I think in the skus of saying this particular capital, um, and in the skus of, uh, of all of our Lima Torah, and there is so much Torah, you know, we're pushing through, we're making sure uh, that Torah and Tefillah in their own way, in this time, are particularly continuing, uh, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will banish. Uh, hate from within us that will emerge from this. I mean, the greatest, I mean, one can only imagine if, uh, when we come out of this, when we come out of this situation that uh, uh, it's our tefillah, it's a tefillah that we see uh, a new kind of recognition of each other's humanity, a new kind of recognition of our shared predicament, of our interdependence of one, one another, that even if we feel well, we have to care for others, the fundamental aspect of everything that we're doing right now, the fundamental chesed of everything that we're doing right now, and that we realize that maybe, I, I, I I'm by nature, a pessimist. But uh, we recognize that uh, that base HaMikdash is built through the removal of Sinus Chinam, by the, by the bringing in of chinam of Achva and Reus, uh, that are also said at the Chuppah when we sing in Heshkach Ech and Tishkach Yimini. So both the building and the destruction are, are tied into one another in this particular place. And in the Shkos of this Tehillim, that when we do emerge from our houses, we emerge with a greater sense of responsibility for one another, a greater sense of love, a greater sense of Achva and Reus, that uh, we still don't forget Yerushalayim but hopefully we see it built as fast as possible speedily in our days uh, to, to the sick in our communities and our families and in the world and, uh, and, that, uh, and that the world that we emerge into should be a beautiful beautiful one a repaired world the world of Tikkun Klali as well I thank you all uh, so so much for joining me Mir uh, uh, we'll go ahead and, uh, and we'll continue next week um Thank you all so much for uh, thank you all so much for coming and thank you all so much for joining me. I appreciate it. It's good to see you, Sandy. I can't hear you. You're I I, you're not on mute for my screen. Thank you. Ah, Okay. Okay. Now I can hear you. Thank you so much, Sandy. I hope you're okay. I'm okay. Yeah. I was actually trying to get a hold of your share access it on my iphone ah yeah you you could do that on zoom did you download it for your phone uh i don't know how to um do you want me to show you real quick yeah because you showed me once and they worked in in the share. if you have time you have two minutes yeah of course i do hi martine hi francine hi um one second are you looking for zoom or are you looking